What is up, everybody? Got episode 38 of J5 getting live coming at you here on August 24th, 2022. A lot going on in New York sports, and we got an exciting episode today. I did a interview with Steven Zantz of Turn On The Jets Live. So excited for that. For Jets fans, even Giants fans, it'll be a good listen. Get some fantasy advice, hear about the Jets, Steven's thoughts on that. Also, going to talk Yankees-Mets, obviously. Big Subway Series, big wins for the Yankees, rough losses for the Mets. Both teams not really looking great right now, though. That's my opinion. Giants did the no news on them, really, other than Sterling Shepard coming back. Talked about them on Monday. They made some cuts. They made a couple moves. Um, but Sterling Shepard activated off the physically unable to perform list. So excited about that. But that's really all about the Giants. And then the big basketball news, which... This time of year, you really don't want to talk basketball. But the Nasty Nets and Kevin Durant make a deal for, for according to them, the long term, not just one year. And how does that shape the landscape of the Nets moving forward? And how does it shape the landscape of the NBA? We know now that teams that weren't on Durant might be in on Donovan Mitchell. How does that affect the Knicks? Do the Knicks end up getting the deal done? You're starting to hear a lot of momentum toward a deal getting done with NBA training camp about six weeks away. Or actually not even six weeks away, more like two weeks away. The start of the season is six weeks away. So just crazy how fast time is flying by. NFL season, basically two-ish weeks away. So excited about that. But let's dive right in. We're going to start with the Yankees and the Mets. You're going to get plenty of Jets talk with Steven and I. So let's dive right into the Yankees and Mets. Yankees get two huge, huge wins. Let me me start with that. Two massive wins for the Yankees. However, their offense is not back. Regardless of the fact that they've won three games in a row, they're not they're not playing baseball that's capable of them winning playoff games. The offense is not doing enough for this team to win playoff games. They're getting by. They've gotten great pitching the last three days. But scoring four runs a game is not going to be enough. Especially when you're basically getting shut down by Taiwan Walker, who gave up two runs last night. Scherzer battled. He gave up four. Manoa only gave up two. So the offense is still not doing enough. And that's been the Yankees' biggest problem for the last six weeks. So three wins in a row doesn't cure their problems. A West Coast road trip against two underperforming baseball teams, two teams under 500 by a lot, is not going to help them have winning baseball. So I don't think they're cured by any means. Was it nice to see them win last night and the night before and on Sunday? Yeah. But it's still boom or bust on the offense. They got a nice bloop, a couple bloop singles from from Judge and from Penitendi. Yeah. Judge hit a big bomb, though. Montas wanted to give the game away. He pitched pretty good last night, though. 
I mean, I'm still not overly impressed. I need to see more. And I need to see it soon. Because you're in a pennant race here. The division might be done. You're eight games up on Tampa. They, they probably can't catch the Yankees at this point. Toronto's eight and a half back. They probably can't catch the Yankees. But the point is, you want to be playing your best ball. And they're just not. They look flat and disinterested. And they're the same team that they are as last year. Home run or bust. And to me, it's not enough to win a championship. And good for the Yankee fans for booing Paul O'Neill the other day. Uh, booing Hal Steinbrenner the other day. He deserves it. Him and, and you heard it on the Joel Sherman, John Heyman interview that, that Cashman did. They asked him, why have revenues gone up for the Yankees, but the payroll stayed flat? And Cashman said, I'm not involved in the financial decisions. I don't, I, I don't know why the payroll stays where it is. That's not his business, he said. My, my business is baseball. So this team, I don't think they're going anywhere fast. I'm not impressed. They leave a lot to be desired. We're going to see what this kid from AAA brings. We're going to see what Stanton brings coming back off the injury. It usually takes them like two weeks to get going. So I don't expect them to come out guns blazing here on this West Coast trip. But overall, just not impressed. A lot of mental errors last night with IKF and Glaber trying to figure out who should be taking care of second base. Um, you know, just little things that this team has not capitalized on. I'm impressed with the pitching. Cabrera has been a nice shot in the arm for this team. But I don't think they're going anywhere fast. Now, to the Yankees' opponent. The Mets left Atlanta with a tight grip on the NL East. And since then, the Braves have just continued to rattle off wins. And get big things done. They're 49-14 and 14 since June 1st against teams not named the New York Mets. And now, they sit two games back of the Mets. And I think that there should be a little bit of cause for concern out in Queens. Because the Mets offense has disappeared. This team has not been able to get it going Lindor has taken a couple steps back. He was really hot for a while. Pete, same thing. Vogelback has a little hamstring now, but he's not he's not the main catalyst on this team. I think at some point Buck is gonna have to shake up this order a little bit. I know he likes Nimmo leading off. Personally, I would shake it up. I'd go McNeil in the one hole, Nimmo in the two, maybe put Marte behind Pete. Leave Lindor in the three. Pete clean up. Marte in the five. Vogel back. You know, there's a couple things they could do. They're not getting anything out of the catcher spot. They gotta let that go at this point, though. But this team, the Mets need to figure out ways to start scoring more runs. Because they looked flat the last two days against the Yankees. Scherzer and Walker both gave them enough to win those games. And they didn't do enough. That's the bottom line. Scherzer battled. He didn't look great. He didn't have his best stuff. But he kept him in it. And they're 
And their bullpen really kind of kept them in it both nights, too. Last night, they gave up two runs. What are you going to do? I mean, at some point, bullpens are going to crack a little bit. But overall, if, you're, if your opponent's scoring four runs, you got to be able to outscore them and win those kinds of games. The atmosphere at the game last night, again, was like when I was at City. It was a World Series-like atmosphere. Place was electric. 50-50 crowd, I would say. Maybe like 55 Yankees, 45 Mets. But both sides loud. Really into it. You could tell the players are into it. It's just both of these offenses are really stagnant. Buck was trying a couple things last night. Bunts and, and you know, steals and different things. The Mets just, they look flat. And they got to get going because Atlanta's hot on their tail. And listen, in a short series, I'm scared of the Mets. I'm not scared of the Mets in a long series. I don't. I think that the Carrasco injuries hurts them. You know, everybody's had a nice year on the Mets pitching staff. But in a longer series, I'm not as scared of them. We got to see what the Mets are made of coming up. They got to start winning some games because Atlanta... A two-game lead on Atlanta, you saw it last year. Atlanta got hot at the 4th of July, and they never looked back, and they went on to win a World Series. So they know they're capable of winning a World Series. That's the bottom line on that. Both of these teams got to find ways to get the offense going. For the Yankees and the Mets, it both starts tomorrow. Now, to the basketball. Like I said, no Giants. Jets, you're going to hear plenty of with Steven from Turn on the Jets Live. Really appreciate him coming on. The basketball. The nasty Nets. They got back with their they got back with their girlfriend and Kevin Durant. They thought about breaking up. Maybe they went to see other people for a little while. At the end of the day though, nobody found anything. But when you go looking for something better, Usually, you find it at some point. So I don't care what the net statement or the boardroom statement said. This is a one-year deal. Irving's done at the end of the year. The Nets didn't give him the extension. And nobody could tell me otherwise. He's gone. He's either going to L.A. to play with LeBron, who signed the two-year extension, or he's going to go somewhere else. He's going to be a free agent. He'll be a sought-after guy, even though he's crazy. And yet, we know Kyrie is crazy. But Durant, I don't care how many years he has left on his deal. He is going to leave. You can't say the things that he said, that he wanted Marks gone, and he wanted Nash gone, and that everything is just going to wave a magic wand and everything's going to be okay. I don't believe it. I don't believe that the nasty Nets are going to win a title with this team. They got a lot of nice pieces. But until they gel and they have good chemistry and they could just stay on the court, none of it matters. I don't think this is for the long term. I think it's a one-year thing. I think next year you're going to see Durant traded. Who knows? Maybe him and Kyrie team up again somewhere else. But bottom line, the Nets and Durant both can't convince me that everything's just fixed. I don't believe it. The Nets are going to have a shot to win the title this year. Are they going to do it? Probably not, because they've continued to find ways to mess it up. But, bottom line, 
They got one year to figure it out. I don't think it's forever. I think it's a one-year thing, and I think they're done. Durant burned too many bridges, in my opinion. I don't even know how Nets fans are welcoming the guy back with open arms. I know he's one of the best players on the planet, but how embarrassing for them. That's enough on them. I hate the Nets. Finally, we finish up with my Knicks. I tweeted it the other day. I don't want the Knicks to give up R.J. Barrett. I think he's a player. I think he's the only guy on this team that's off limits. If the Jazz want five picks, give them five picks. If they want Quickly or Grimes or Obi, give it to them. Find a team to get to give Randall to because he's useless. You have to get Donovan Mitchell. I don't want the Knicks to give up the full load of picks that they have. They have eight first-round picks over the next like five years, six years, something like that. Don't give them all up. But there's a deal to be had here. Danny Ainge can't beat the Knicks offer. That's the bottom line. And the Knicks know that. Leon Rose has remained vigilant to not getting hosed by Danny Ainge. However, the time is now to get a deal done. The season is about getting ready to get training camp going and all those things. The Knicks need to finish the offseason that they had. They had a good one. They got Jalen Brunson. They need one more piece. They're not a title team with Mitchell, but they become more dangerous. They become a four or five seed in, this, in the East. And nobody can convince me of otherwise. And that's a nice big three. Mitchell, Brunson, Barrett. You get Randall out of here. Figure out what you're going to do with the four. The five, you got uh, Mitchell Robinson. And you piece this team together. The Knicks have the pieces to get this deal done. they got to figure out a way to get it done at this point. Donovan Mitchell's been hanging out in New York City an awful lot. It's time to bring him back home. All right, guys. That's an episode. Listen to the interview with Steve Zantz from Turn on the Jets. Next week, we'll be back talking more Giants and Jets. They have a joint practice this week. They play Sunday at 1. Going to wait to see what they do with the starters. If they play the starters, I'll have a reaction pod on Monday. Or maybe even Sunday night. If they don't play the starters, rumor is they're going to play them. If they don't play the starters, then obviously no reaction pod. and You'll just hear from me Wednesday. Appreciate everybody. Like, subscribe, tell a friend about the podcast, J5 Getting Live. Follow me on Instagram and on Twitter at J-O-H-N-M-U-R-A-C-H-A-N-I-A-N. Follow me on TikTok, J, the number five, G-E-T-T-I-N-L-I-V-E. All right, guys, J5, out. Hey, guys, what's up? We got Steven Zantz from Turn on the Jets here on J5 Getting Live. Steven, thanks for taking the time out to to chat with us about the Jets today. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I'm super excited to do this. I know we've been talking about it for a while. How you doing? Yeah, doing well, man. Doing well. Really, uh, really excited to have you on. I think you you bring a whole new perspective to to the J5 getting live audience. Obviously, I talk a lot of Giants, a lot more Giants than I do Jets. Um, but I think that. Um, and I think it's something that, you know, is, is important to, to just get out to the audience, obviously. 
Yeah, man, it's the Jets really have an important year coming up. I mean, it's second year of a coaching staff, second year of a quarterback who's taken second overall. Joe Douglas obviously has been somebody that the fan base is kind of like cling towards because they felt like he was a lot more competent than the people that he, uh, you know, took over after, especially Mike McCagden, who probably was the worst GM in franchise history. I'm sure you compare him to Gettleman in your eyes. But this team really needs to show significant progress. And I'm, you know, I'm a fan, but I also try to be objective because, you know, I do a show about them and I can't just be a homer every second. Um, But I'm at this point where it's like, if they're not showing significant progress this year, and I don't really care if it's whether it's with Joe Flacco, Zach Wilson, Mike White, or even Schmeller, whoever's playing quarterback at this point, like everything has to be on the table in January if this is a four or five win team again. I think... They they need to be around seven or eight wins. Obviously, anything better than that to me is great. But like seven or eight wins is where they need to be. And if they're below that, we have some you know questions we have to answer. I mean, obviously, if they have a lot of injuries like they did last year and the quarterback, you know, you're playing Flacco, I could give them a little bit of a pass. But like, I think everything should be on the table. Moving off Joe Douglas, moving off Salah, moving off Zach Wilson if they win four games again. You know, what what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I I would tend to agree. I think that I think the Jets have the ability to to challenge for a seven seed this year. Uh, yeah. I tweeted I tweeted it the other day, and and a bunch of people were telling me I was crazy. But I don't I don't see even with Flacco in Week One, say it's Week Two. I don't see why the Jets can't split the first two weeks of the season and be one and one when Zach comes back. Also, to your point about Salah, I think that the disadvantage that he has is he was touted as this defensive guru. So him not having Zach isn't really an excuse because the defense should be up to snuff to win, to at least keep them in games with Flacco, at quarterback. Yeah. I mean, Flacco, believe it or not, I, I don't think he's actually won a start as the Jets quarterbacks day about 2020 when he filled in for Darnold. And they had one start against Miami last year after Mike White either got COVID or got hurt or bench, whatever, before Zach came back. He has looked pretty good, even in an Adam Gase offense, and he looked good against the Dolphins last year. They really should have won that game. Um, so I think that, like, Jeff Ann shouldn't panic that Flacco is the quarterback, you know, week one, maybe week two, or, you know, worst-case scenario, the first three weeks. And I agree with you. They should be one one doesn't matter how you get there. If you beat the Ravens, lose to the Browns, even though I'd be livid if they lost at Jacoby <laughs> Yeah, but, I agree. But, like, I, my expectation is that they are 2-2 two and two coming out of the month of September. I know that's a tall task for a team that hasn't won a September game since Sam Donald's first start in September 2018, which is, like, mind-boggling. I know a lot of people don't realize that. But this roster is much better. They, they looked good last week in the joint practice with Atlanta. I know people are going to point to, you know, the, the Monday night game, the first quarter when Mariota was in the field, but the Jets only put like three guys who are actually going to be starters on this team out there. So I really wouldn't take too much stock. I was a little concerned that like they were playing very, you know, there's a lot of space for the Atlanta receivers, specifically Kyle Pitts, who just cooked uh, Bryce Hall on a deep ball. But like you said, Salah is a defensive coach. I need this defense to be good. If the quarterback is holding it back, but the defense is good, you could make the argument for Salah to keep his job. But they need to be much better because they were like 32nd in the league, I think, from a scoring defense perspective in 2021. I need them to be like between 17 and 20 in that area, maybe even better, because 
I really think this defensive line could be good. I think that they have a lot of ascending pieces. I think Carl Lawson's going to give them a huge uh, bump because he was somebody who was doing really well in camp last year and had that devastating injury during joint practices with the Packers. He's looked just as good this year. I mean, we haven't seen him in the preseason, but I'm super eager to see what he could do. He also knows the AFC North very well because that was the division he played in before he came to the Jets. So his first four opponents are teams that he knows. So like he should be able to have a little bit of an advantage there. Um, obviously Sauce, DJ Reed are nice additions in the secondary. Same thing with Whitehead, which everyone is saying has been outstanding and like not really understanding why Tampa didn't bring that guy back. And then the one area that everyone as a Jets fan, I'm sure Jets Twitter would be concerned about is linebacker position. Not because uh, CJ Mosley's bad or anything. It's really the depth behind him. I mean, you're rolling out Quincy Williams and now probably Quan Alexander, who should be the starter next to him. But besides those three guys and Quincy's a little bit, you know, hit and miss because he can hit hard stuff, but he misses a lot of coverages. They have no depth there. Like you're, you're relying on guys like Hamza Nasruddin and Jamie and Sherwood, who I showed next to nothing last year. So that's really the area that concerns me. And then the second safety spot next to Whitehead. But I do think that this defense is completely rebuilt and I should, you know, well, I shouldn't say I should, but I expect this to happen. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I'm in agreement with you. And also, some of it comes on, on the coaching. At the end of the day, the NFL is designed so that no team can have a pro bowler at every spot. That's the yeah. beauty of the salary cap. So, at the end of the day, Salah and his defensive coordinator have to be able to coach this team up a little bit and, you know, get get guys, get that linebacker group to play to a higher level or get the defensive line to get enough pressure that it kind of doesn't matter. Yeah, I mean, the Jets haven't been able to get pressure on the quarterback consistently since John Abraham, Sean Ellis are back there. So <laughs> that's going back, you know, almost 20 years. So yeah, we, we need to see something. I know there were some flashes in the pen with uh, Muhammad Wilkerson. Even a guy like Calvin Pace was solid, but he wasn't really anything better than maybe like an eight to nine sacks, like from a ceiling perspective. The Jets need somebody who can flirt with like, you know, 12 to 15. I mean, I know that not most teams don't have that. You know, not every team has a Nick Bosa, a Joey Bosa, uh, Miles Garrett, but like they need to have guys who could do things. And we're hoping Carl Lawson could be a double digit sack guy. I mean, it remains to be seen if he could do it because his biggest thing is he never was like finishing, but he was getting a lot of quarterback pressures in Cincinnati. But we're hoping that, you know, it was only a sign of things to come when he gets to the Jets where he's actually hitting the quarterback and, you know, getting maybe 12 sacks in 2022. Yeah, I think honestly the biggest thing with I think the biggest thing with him is going to be that he frees up space for Jermaine Johnson on the other side. I think you know Lawson's going to get a lot of attention and it's going to open up things for Johnson even as a rookie. There's no reason that he I mean he has high upside. There's no reason he shouldn't have seven or eight sacks. Uh I don't know if that's going to happen. I don't think he's going to actually get the playing time. I mean, I could be wrong, but and obviously injuries could change this, but Everything that I've read and, you know, I've heard is that he's kind of buried. And even Michael Clemens has looked better than him but some, at times. He actually has come on a little bit as camp has progressed. But in the beginning, he was really next to silent. And you got to think, there's a lot of guys on that line who are probably going to get some playing time over him. You have Quinn Williams, who's more of a nose tackle, but still going to be lining up out there. You have John Franklin Myers, who they just extended last year. You have Carl. And then Sheldon Rankins, who actually was a slept-on guy, who was really solid for the Jets last year. And I was happy they brought back. So I think long-term, the hope is Jermaine could be that kind of guy. But I think as a rookie, I don't have the highest of expectations. I, I think I would 
think that you're going to see more from Sauce and Garrett Wilson as rookies than you would from Jermaine Johnson. And obviously, Brees Hall, because he's probably going to be the workhorse back at least midway through the season. Right. Yeah, I, I think that – and to flip to the offense, you know, have we've heard a lot that Michael Carter is like the main guy right now. And I have a hard time believing that Joe Douglas is going to spend high draft capital on Brees Hall and they're going to bury him on the depth chart. So to your point, I do think that Brees is going to get the bulk of the carries as we get to halfway through the season, maybe even a little bit earlier. Do you see a committee for the Jets at running back early or do you think Carter gets the bulk of the carries and then they kind of put Brees in there moving forward? I think at least to start, because Brees is a rookie, it's probably going to be an even split with Carter maybe doing more in the pass game. But I think based on just the talent alone, I think Brees will eventually assert himself as the lead back. But the one thing to keep in mind here is even though, you know, Brees has that workhorse potential, this offensive scheme is predicated on using multiple running backs. So I never think it's going to be just Brees getting 25 carries a game. Like Michael Carter will always have a role. If you look at what San Francisco does, like, you know, they, they're right. constantly just changing their running backs. You got Elijah Mitchell, you have Trey Sermon. Um, they had Raheem Moster for a while. So I would say that those two will probably be getting bulk of the carries. If Tevin Coleman makes the team, he'll be in and pass pro a little bit. But one guy that we keep your eye out on, and I'm, I'm sure you've heard of him just from Jets Twitter, is Donovan Knight, undrafted free agent. He has the okay. game bam. I think, I think he's going to make the team or at worst make the practice squad and he could have a long-term role with this team as more of like a special teams guy because he actually does have value in the return game, but also just like a speedster who they can have as their third running back in 2023. So just keep an eye on him. He could actually have a role maybe later in the season if there's injuries, but he's someone that's really caught my eye and with his explosiveness. Yeah, and we'll, uh, I'll definitely keep an eye out for him, and we'll definitely all hopefully get to see him on Sunday. It seems like both the Giants and the Jets are going to have the joint practice, and then they're going to play both sets of starters for a little while. So that, that should be exciting, but then we'll see him in the, in the second half at least. Yeah, I mean, you'll definitely see a lot of him. And the Jets, as it stands right now, they, they claim that they're going to be playing some of the regulars probably for at least a quarter. Scares me a little bit because of what happened in the Philly game with Zach Wilson and obviously Mackay Beckton got hurt in camp earlier this month. But I do think that a guy like Flacco, even though he's a you know 15-year vet, definitely needs just the live reps just to get a feel for you know what's going on. And I just think it's important, especially for the younger players who are going to be contributors like Garrett Wilson and Sauce Carter to continue to get those reps against you know live bullets with another team that is in the Jets. So yeah, I'm excited I- though. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I want to put the guys in bubble wrap, but also I think it's important for to get some reps, especially since there's like a two week layoff after this last preseason game. Definitely. Um, I want to. I, I did this on my show with my co-host Stephen Russo. Check it out on uh, YouTube and also on the TOJ Live feed on Apple and Spotify. But this, I think you'll find this interesting, and it's kind of surprising. So I want to see if you agree. So we basically went by Jets and Giants position groups. Who has the better? Who has the edge? And it's not necessarily the best player, but just from top to bottom. I want to tell you what we said, and I'm curious if you agree or disagree. And you could obviously say it as I go through the groups. Quarterback, I would just say Giants because Daniel Jones has more of a sample size. But I said it to Wash, and I would I would just say it's even just because Daniel Jones has a lot of question marks, and we don't know what Zach Wilson is. What do you think? I, I would agree with you. I think Zach has more upside. I think at this point we kind of – know what Daniel Jones is. So, yeah, I would agree. I think it's a wash. It's a wash. You say it's even. Running back from top to bottom, Jets, for sure. I know the Giants have Saquon, and you're a Saquon guy, but having Brees and Carter and even, like, Coleman and potentially Knight, 
who's even behind Saquon Barkley? Is it even uh, what's his face? Uh, who was on the, from the Broncos last year? Who's actually pretty good? I don't even think he's here anymore, right? No, it's uh, right now it's Matt Breida, but he's been MIA. <laughs> And then they have a couple guys, uh, Antonio Williams from the Bills, who was on their practice squad, and then a couple undrafted guys. So I would agree with you on the on the Jets running backs being better, but it seems like the uh, the the draft class of Saquon and Sam Darnold didn't really work out for either team when we thought it was going to be this long battle for years to come. <laughs> this is very true. Uh, wide receiver, I, I think you'll definitely agree, Jets for sure, because the Jets have actually solid depth. We'll have to go through it. Uh, tight end, definitely Jets. I mean, I don't even think the Giants have really a starting tight end on their roster. I know Ricky Sills Jones is penciled in, but he's been pretty inconsistent. He's been on a lot of teams for, you know, myriad of reasons. So do you agree with both of those? I agree with both of those. And Ricky Sills Jones just went on, um, he went on IR. So we're not even going to see him this year. <laughs> oh, sorry. Um, it's okay. Uh, yeah, offensive line, I think long-term the Giants could be really good. But I think right now with Vera Tucker, Lakin Tomlinson, George Fan, Dwayne Brown, it's really hard to go against that. I think Evan Deal's going to be good. I like Andrew Thomas. But the interior for the Giants, I feel like it's a mess. Correct me if I'm wrong here. No, you're no, you're right. I think the Giants made a huge upgrade signing Mark Lewinsky this offseason. But with not having a ton of cap space, there wasn't a ton of moves they could make. Feliciano will be a one-year guy, and then he'll probably be – be gone and hopefully Shane Lemieux could stick at left guard, but I don't know. So I would definitely agree. The jets have the advantage on the offensive line. Definitely Uh defensive line. I think the giants have the best defensive lineman with Leonard Williams of the group, but I think from a depth perspective, definitely the jets just because of how many guys they have. What do you think? Yeah, the jets definitely have more depth. The giants probably have a little more talent out of their, out of their starting group, but the jets definitely have more depth. Yeah, so we'll give you we'll give the Giants that just because you think that they have more talent. Uh, linebackers, I think the Giants, and that's one of the really big strengths of their defense. I'm a big Blake Martinez fan. I think he's a really solid player. Tay Crowder as well. I think Giants have the edge there. What do you think? Yeah, I would agree with you. Corner, I think Jets now, but you probably would have said Giants last year because they had Bradbury. But I think at this point, it's definitely got to be the Jets because DJ Reed's a legit as a solid starter. I think Sauce is going to be really good. And even the guys like Eccles and Hall behind them, they had starting reps last year, and now they're just depth pieces. And uh, Michael Carter, Manning Lasad is really good. How do you, what do you think about the Giants? Yeah. I think the Giants, obviously, Bradbury just a terrible cap casualty had to happen. The writing was on the wall for a while. The Jets have more talent there, and I think Sauce could really be a game changer for them moving forward. Um, I know we were texting on draft night about, you know, Kayvon or Sauce or whatever. I think it kind of works out for both teams. Um, yeah. There was no way you could go wrong at that spot with Sauce or taking Kayvon. So it kind of worked out for both teams. I was very vocal about my affinity for Kayvon. I, you know, I'm, I, I hope he does well. I mean, I was, I felt sick for him. I thought he was done for the season. Thankfully he's not. Um, but yeah, I, I agree with you. I think Sauce is going to be really good. I mean, I think the argument is more strong now for the Jets going for a Kayquano instead of Sauce because you know, Mackay Becton essentially looks like he's probably never going to play for us again, but crazier things have happened, but um, we'll cap it with the safety position, which I do think the Giants probably have the edge. The only guy on the Jets safety group who's actually good is Whitehead and everybody else is a huge question mark. What do you think? Yeah, I think that I, I agree. I think I bought a Xavier McKinney jersey this year. I think Xavier McKinney has the chance to be not Ed Reed, obviously. He's a Hall of Famer, but I think that Xavier McKinney has the potential moving forward to maybe win a defensive player of the year or something along those lines. Seeing him play a full season was really eye-opening last year. 
And I think Wink Martindale is just going to get the best out of him. Yeah. So think about it. Like, there's only really three positional groups that you could say the Giants have the edge. It's been a while since it's been that lopsided, especially because both teams have been so bad, you know, dating back to 2017. And so it's weird. It's weird in Jets land because we normally don't have the advantage for the Giants very often. Yeah, no, I, I would agree. And it's been a dark time for both teams. And, you know, I think I, I was sick for you guys when Zach went down. And obviously when the news came out, I was really happy that it was only, you know, a sprain and a, uh, a meniscus. So I think it worked out. I expect to see him week two, but I don't think the Jets are going to push him. So if it's a week three kind of thing, I, I don't think that's the worst thing in the world either. I think if you were running into a situation that they were in when Gase was here, when Darnold had mono or it was Luke Falk you're throwing out there, then maybe it would be a little more uh, urgent to get him back. But because they trust Joe Flacco and he's like a seasoned vet who's, you know, he's won a Super Bowl. He was a starter for, I guess, literally 10 seasons. I think he got benched for Lamar midway through 2018 and he was drafted in 08. I think it's a different situation. And he's also not going to be someone that's like, you're essentially getting meaningless reps for guys like Garrett Wilson and Elijah Moore. Like he can move the offense. Elijah actually had his best weeks when he was playing with Mike White and uh, Joe Flacco last year, believe it or not. So there's an argument that he, you know, he has good chemistry with him. So he could be, you know, in a big spot for a fantasy blow up in week one against the Ravens. Yeah. And speaking of that, I mean, obviously he's on everybody's radar. So besides him, who else do you think, has the potential to blow up for the Jets this year. I have a couple guys in mind, but I'll let you go first since you're closer to the, the situation. Yeah, he's definitely the guy. I would say if there's someone on the Jets that you have to have on your roster, I think it's him. He's had an amazing camp, probably been the best player on the field by all accounts. Um, he's probably going around like the the seventh, I would say seventh round, eighth round, depending on how big your league is. So he's the guy who's the obvious one, like you said. I think Brees is the other guy that you want to have, at least for like this year specifically. Like I know Dynasty is a little bit different and Keeper is different, but uh, I think Brees is really going to emerge as a solid running back, especially if you don't get one of like the top tier guys in the first two rounds. He's the kind of guy you want to target, you know, in the mid to like close to 10th round. I think he's going to be someone, especially with his ability um, to catch, could be something. I mean, Michael Carter, I think, is a nice, like, just, like, end-of-the-roster kind of guy. But I think Brees and Elijah are the main guys. I think Garrett Wilson's a good, like, end-of-the-draft flyer as a keeper for next year. I think he might start off a little bit slow because sometimes the curve for rookies to really contribute early on is is steep. I mean, not everybody's like a Justin Jefferson or Jamar Chase where they're, like, <laughs> a star right away. Like, it took exactly. Elijah a little bit, and Elijah's awesome. So I would say Garrett Wilson, good target as a keeper. And then the sleeper guy, which if you follow me on Twitter, you know it's not really a sleeper at this point, is Conklin. Tight end position is super, super scarce with the exception of like the top five guys. And really it's, you know, I would say Travis Kelsey, Kittle, and Mark Andrews. And then, and I guess Kyle Pitts now because he's kind of emerging. So after those four, it's like, it's kind of a crapshoot. I would say Conklin could be a sneaky guy. You could be, you know, streaming sometimes because he seems to be locked in with both quarterbacks, not just Zach Wilson, but Joe Flacco as well. And he's been impressive. So I would keep an eye on him as maybe like your 16th round pick for tight end. Yeah, I so I agree with you. I think Elijah's a must have. I agree on Brees Hall. Yeah, Conklin was the guy that I have my eyes on. I had CJ Uzama last year in fantasy on and off. I streamed him and he was just so feast or famine. Uh, Conklin really seems to fit like the mold of that 49er offense that the, that the jets run under, under Mike LaFleur. So I think it's going to be, you know, a good opportunity for them 
moving forward and for Conklin, I think there's a chance that he has a, a big year, obviously with an offense that has that many weapons at some point, there's somebody that you can't, you know, be on. Um, so I think there's a chance for him to be open a lot. Yeah. I mean, assuming CJ can stay healthy, I think he's the kind of guy who's going to be better in real life than in fantasy. Like he's going to make like some clutch plays on third down, but I wouldn't rely on him to put up consistent numbers week to week. Whereas I think Tonklin, I, oh, I said Tonklin Conklin, be more of the guy who you could trust in the red zone just based on what you've heard in camp and how the, the quarterbacks are looking looking at him during those red zone drills. But yeah, big CJ guy. He's a huge vibes locker room guy, but I don't think he's necessarily going to be fantasy viable this year. Yeah, I totally agree. So last question for you, and then we'll let you go. Uh, well, actually two questions. So one, what's your record prediction for the Jets overall this year? Um, and overall expectations. I know you said early on like seven and eight, Seven, seven wins or eight wins, but what, what do you got them as? So I've been pretty firm on this, and I, I don't think I'm going to change it no matter what, and, like, the Zach injury doesn't change it. I'm going to go – I'm actually going to – I've been – I was leading seven and seven and ten, but I'm going to go eight and nine. I, I think that they're going to show a lot of progress, especially down, down the stretch. They do have a soft schedule where they're playing teams like Detroit, who I think will probably be better than people expect. I mean, I'm not buying into the hard knocks hype, but I think <laughs> – I, I know that's what everybody does, but I think they'll be better than people expect. Um, they play like Seattle. They play the Bears, who I think the Bears could end up being the worst team in the league. I mean, I, I like Justin Fields, but they're they're like not really trying to win, and they haven't set them up for success. Um, I do think that they're going to be much better than the division, which has been the problem. They haven't really beaten anybody since the end of 2019 when they beat the Bills in Week 17 against their backups. So that's the last time the Jets have won a division game. Um, I th- actually think they're going to be better than the Patriots. I-, I know that's like a crazy thought to say, but I don't think the Patriots are going to be as good as they were last year. I think Josh McDaniels leaving is a huge loss for them. And I think that's made Mac Jones's life a lot easier. As you saw, Joe Judge isn't exactly, you know, the, the best coach in the world. And Matt Patricia, who's helping him out, isn't exactly any better. And those are the guys who are going to be in Mac Jones's ear. And they've never coached on the offensive side of the ball with the exception of, I think Judge was the receivers coach with the Patriots his last year before he went to the Giants. But those guys never called the plays. So I think the Jets are going to be better than the Patriots. I think the Patriots will be close to them. I think there's potential for them to be better than the Dolphins. I'm not saying that they will. I I like the Dolphins roster. I just don't really like Tua. I think he's just okay at best. So I think they're going to flirt, like you said, for the 17. And I think eight wins is really – it's realistic, and it's what I'm hopeful for. I mean – you heard me in the beginning. I'm like, if they're if they're like six or five or even four, which would be a, like a disaster, then we have a lot of tough conversations to have. Yeah, I I tend to agree with you. I I think that there's no the anything after the Bills is up for grabs in this division. Like yes. the Bills are going to win the division. It's similar to the old school Patriots where you just knew that they were going to win the division, and then second place mm-hmm. was up for grabs. I think it's the same thing this year. I agree with you. Dolphins have a nice roster. But they have a lot of questions. Also, like Tyreek Hill is a question. He was he's a product of Andy Reid's offense. We've seen it time and time again. Andy Reid gets these guys to do crazy things and then they leave the system and you don't know what they're gonna be. I think Tyreek Hill's obviously a freak athlete and a pro bowler, but with a different quarterback who's not Mahomes and a different coach who isn't Andy Reid, there's question marks there as well. Yeah, I feel like people are gonna laugh when I say this, but I see parallels for Tyreek as Antonio Brown when he left Pittsburgh going somewhere else. Like where it's, he's just not going to be the guy he was. And I'm not saying that, you know, Tyreek is as crazy as him, but he really, you know, he has some off the field stuff. It's not like a secret if you, if you right. know about him. So I could see it going South. I mean, he's, he's not living in Kansas city, but there's not a lot to do. He's living in South beach, which 
there's a lot of temptation to go out as a professional athlete and, you know, could be doing things you shouldn't be doing, surrounding yourself with the wrong people. I'm just saying I would not be surprised if that acquisition did not work the way that they hoped, which is why I was very mixed on it when the Jets were in the mix for that. Because I'm like, him being in New York could be a little scary. But I, I mean, the talent is undeniable. But I just think Tua is not the quarterback to best maximize his skill set, which is going deep. You know, he could obviously do the dump offs to him, which I get. But like Mahomes was, you know, he Mahomes made him really good. So you can't yeah. really discount that as much as he could say Tua is the most accurate quarterback he's ever seen. Right. No, I think there's a lot of uh, between him and Mike McDaniel. I think there's a lot of hype hyping up to it to give him a lot of confidence to have a good year. But we'll see yeah. what happens with that. So, Steve, Stephen, last question. Where can everybody find you? And you mentioned your your partner. Where can everybody find you guys? Yeah. Uh, well, on Twitter at Essence, um, And then my partner, Stephen Russo, is at Stephen Russo nine. Um, we have our YouTube feed, which is youtube.com slash turn the jets TV. Um, and also for our podcast version, which usually comes out a day after we stream, which is either sometimes Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday, depending on the week. Um, it's on Apple or Spotify. Just search, uh, turn the jets live. You'll see like a green logo with a TOJ on it. That's us. Uh, we appreciate all the support we've had. And, uh, John, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Now. Thanks for coming on. Really looking forward to the season and, who knows? Hopefully we get to do it again, maybe right before Jets playoff run. Oh, man, you're you're optimistic. I'm not there yet. I, I'm, I'm hoping to be. People think I'm really biased and I'm like so pro like this team, everything they do. I'm the first to criticize them. And like I I think Joe Douglas gets too much credit. I think he's done a good job, but we haven't seen wins. So that that's what I determine if someone's doing a good job, if the team is winning and they have not. So I'm, I'm hoping I'm you're with- right. I'm with you. If it's not this year, then when when's it going to be for them? Like so. you can't keep giving him, you know, you can't give him six years. He does nothing. Like they got to they got to contend a little bit, you know. Yeah, I, I agree. So thanks, Stephen. We really appreciate it. You guys can find him at Turn on the Jets Live. Great having you. Yeah, thanks, man. Let's do it All again. All right, absolutely. Thanks, Stephen.